This episode of the podcast is brought to you by patrons, patrons of the Hippie Witch podcast. Thank you all. Thank you to anybody who has ever been a patron. And a special thank you to new patrons, Tweety, Eleanor, and Elaine. I also want to give a special shout out to those of you who took the time to leave the podcast a review. I really appreciate the nice things that you said about the podcast. Leaving a review was how people were able to enter the giveaway that I did recently over the holidays for Deborah Blake's Eclectic Witch's Book of Shadows and the Everyday Witch Oracle. And Victoria Hernandez is the big winner. Hopefully, Victoria, if you are listening, you got your book and your Oracle cards and you're all set for the new year. If anyone listening right now would like to become a patron and become a part of the Hippie Witch community, I'm Joanna DeVoe over on Patreon, and also there will be a link to that in the show notes. What if Dolly Parton wrote us a theme song? Would it sound like this? Would it sound like this? Peace, love, and all that good shit. What if Dolly Parton wrote us a theme song? Would it sound like this? Would it sound like this? Hippie Witch, season six. Woohoo! That was a good one. Hello! Thanks for joining me for episode 544 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe and I am the groovy creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a big copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com, where you will also find the show notes for this episode, including links to my friend, Savannah Tillett. We're just going to call Savannah the patron of the year. That wasn't really the plan for today, but... That is kind of who she is, but she also has her own Patreon now, and I wanted to bring her on the show because she's a big old planner nerd, and I know so many of you are planner nerds. I myself am a planner nerd, and I'm also a big fan of choosing a word of the year and working with that word all year long, and we were recently talking about that on Discord. If you don't know... Discord, a lot of people that have Patreon accounts, they will link them up to Discord and then that creates kind of a private social media experience for your community, like Facebook groups were back in the day before we all decided we hate Facebook. We needed a place to go to have conversations that were semi-private. You know, where you can speak freely without worrying about a troll popping in or your super conservative uncle getting upset because you said such and such thing when you were just having a conversation with your witchy friends and didn't know your uncle could see it. You know, we need a space like that where we can have our opinions among friends. And so Discord is that. And we were chit-chatting on Discord about what everybody's word of the year is mine for 2022 is going to be worthy and savannah said that her word of the year is going to be depth as in deep going deep and i asked her if she's going to be doing a depth year if that was why her word of the year was depth and she said yes 
And we got talking about that. And I was like, you should just come on the podcast and talk about having a depth year. So she's going to do that here too. She's going to tell you what a depth year is. And we're going to chit chat about planning, being a planner nerd, because that's so fun to do at the beginning of a brand new year. And I love to listen to podcasts when I'm closing down one year and starting another. I always do this thing at the beginning of my planner and the first pages of my planner where I put a vision board in the planner. So I love to listen to podcasts or just run YouTube videos in the background while I sit there cutting up magazines and pasting them into a collage. And then a trick that I like to do is I take clear, is it masking tape? It's packing tape, clear packing tape. And I cover the collage so it kind of creates like a lamination. And it also makes those pages of your journal stand out. So you can just flip to your vision board anytime you need a hit of the vision for the year. And I am a very visual person. I respond emotionally to my vision board because I select it for that. I select pictures that inspire some kind of emotion. They stir me up inside and they keep me on track with the way I want to feel. And I love that the packing tape, it makes the page kind of stiff and glossy. So I could even spill my coffee on it and it would be okay. It would survive. And this is important to note because yesterday I spilled 22 ounces of buttered mushroom coffee all over my little side of bed island where I like to sit with my day planner and my books and things like that in the morning. It was a fresh, brand new, filled to the brim cup of buttered coffee and it soaked through four books, a box of tissues, a memory foam mattress, a stack of pillows and all kinds of clutter that I keep around there. Oh, and 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 my Colette Baron Reed Oracle deck, the Wisdom Oracle, and some of the cards, they did not make it through. I'm so sad to say I might have to rebuy that deck. But had it spilled on my vision board, the vision board would have survived. Luckily, my planner was not a part of that mess, I'm happy to say. I would also like to say about planning, being a planner nerd, your planner should make your life easier. It should help you make better use of your time and get the most out of each day. If it stresses you out or makes you feel like you're failing, go find another system. The planner that you're using is not working for you or the system that you are using within that planner is not working for you. It should not make you feel like another thing you have to do and that you are failing to do. So if you feel like I want to be a planner nerd, but I never stick with it, keep looking. There are so many different systems out there. I really love doing a 12 week year. There is a book called the 12 week year that breaks each calendar year into four parts, into quarters, but there's a whole philosophy around it in that supposedly you get more done in a more concentrated way when you look at each week as its own month. So it just 
encourages you to really focus and prioritize and get discerning. I've been doing 12-week years now for a very long time, and it works great for me. Another thing that I've been doing for much longer than even that is something called the unschedule. So I don't write things in my date book until they're done. Well, I will write if I have an appointment, like if I have a coaching call or something, I will write that in so I don't mess it up. But other than that, I don't put to-dos on my day planner until they are done. So I love those long, skinny grocery lists that you can get. Sometimes there's a magnet on the back so you can stick it to the fridge. I get them at the Dollar Tree because they have all kinds of cute ones for a buck. Although now the the Dollar Tree is the Dollar 25 tree. Inflation has hit the Dollar Tree, people. So (laughs) I don't think they're going to rename it, but the items will now be a Dollar 25 a piece. It's still worth it because they have great stationery there. And that's where I get these long, skinny grocery lists where I keep my to-do list. And I find it to be rewarding. It's like a gold star system in that when I do finally do something on my to-do list, not only do I get to cross it off the to-do list, but then I get to write it in pink or purple or turquoise ink in my date planner as being done. So it's an unscheduled. It's not scheduled, but you get that really satisfying hit. You get that little dopamine hit. The little reward center of your brain lights up when you get the thing done and it encourages you to keep getting things done. It builds your confidence and it creates momentum. Two other things that don't necessarily have to do with being a planner nerd, but very much have to do with new year resolutions and setting goals for the year ahead. If you're a person that struggles to stick with your goals, It might be because you are looking too far out in the future. You are thinking you can do more than you can do in the time that you have and you're aiming too high. It really helps to take a big goal and break it down into teeny tiny little pieces and to focus on your intention in terms of the person you need to become to reach that goal and I highly recommend checking out James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, if what I'm about to say interests you. Because two things that I learned from James Clear and other people in the personal development world are a big fan of these two things too. I find them extremely helpful. One is micro habits and one is stacking habits. So a micro habit is, I like to use the example of exercising. A lot of people overeat all the goodies during the holidays and then they kind of make themselves sick that way and they promise themselves they're going to get in shape or they're going to do this diet at the beginning of the new year so they can get healthy and strong again and then it doesn't last. It doesn't last because they'll hop into some diet that is so extreme or so different than their usual way of life or you know some exercise program and forming a new habit is extraordinarily difficult. So the way a micro habit works is, let's say you've become a total couch potato. You have not worked out in a year, maybe the entire pandemic, maybe six months, maybe just for the holidays. 
And so you need to get back into an exercise program. Instead of going full out, I'm gonna run for 40 minutes a day or I'm gonna do an hour long exercise class five days a week, you make yourself a promise that you're just gonna put your exercise clothes on and bounce on the mini trampoline, bounce on the rebounder for five minutes. That is it. You do five minutes on the rebounder or five minutes of jogging in place or something very, very tiny and you keep it tiny. You limit it to five minutes until you have that habit in place. You put your workout clothes and you do the thing for five minutes and then you actually stop. And until that habit is formed, you stick with it and then after several weeks of doing that, then you add, then you start building and you build in little micro ways. You're training your your brain, your nervous system, your muscle memory, that this is what we do automatically. It becomes an automation so you do not have to use your willpower to maintain that habit. And a micro habit, it seems very tiny at first. You're like, five minutes? What is that gonna do? Well, it's going to make it's sustainable for you, this new habit. And it's going to change the way you see yourself and it's gonna do what I was saying earlier about building confidence and momentum. And then stacking habits is you take a habit that's already in place, something that you really enjoy or something that is just so automated you don't even think about it, like brushing your teeth, for example, and you stack a habit on top of that. If you choose to stack on top of brushing your teeth, you can do something like calf raises for two minutes while you stand there brushing your teeth. Or you can add flossing your teeth because you're already standing there and you know you need to be flossing your teeth. And so stacking, you're already there, you're already doing the tooth thing, you leave the dental floss out next to your toothbrush, so you just do it automatically and you end up stacking one habit on top of the next. Another one I'm a big fan of is, you know, it takes time for the coffee to brew. If you're a coffee drinker, you can hold on to the ledge of your kitchen counter and get some squats in or some lunges while your coffee is brewing, which will have the effect of waking you up and get a little bit of exercise in and strengthen your body. Those are some examples of stacking micro habits into the habits you already have in place. This conversation with Savannah is really about having a depth year and going really deep into your life. And I don't think you have to have a depth year planned to get something out of this conversation. For me, when I think about going deep with my life, I think about this attention economy that we're in, in which our attention is a limited resource that is in constant demand. And not only are big corporations fighting for our attention with their slick marketing firms and their big ad bucks, but now so are all of these people like me. Small time entrepreneurs were getting more and more savvy about marketing and more and more insistent. And that paired with the sense of FOMO, it can keep people in this state where they actually don't go deep with anything. They're buying all the books and they're signing up for all the programs and they're doing all the things because it all looks great and these people are so charismatic and their marketing plans are so awesome and we would love to do their this or that program, 
but then we have so many going on that we don't finish any of them or we don't end up going deep. It's just like skating on the surface. And so I think it's worth really getting into discernment, really getting into this idea of discerning what you're going to commit to and going deep and kind of putting those FOMO blinders on so you don't see what else is going on around you. Unsubscribe from all of the different newsletters that are pressuring you to sign up for this or that thing. Only listen to the podcasts that you find are in alignment with your goals for the year. Only watch the videos that are in alignment with your goals for the year. Only consume what serves what you have already chosen to do. Choose things that are congruent with your resolution, congruent with your intention, and stay on track with it so you can have a depth of experience. So you can fully absorb and process and integrate what you have chosen to experience in 2022. Or if you're listening to this in the future, whatever year you are planning for. Okay, so let's get into this interview with Savannah, and then I'm going to read a poem at the end from Irma Bombeck. It's one of my favorite poems, but I don't have it memorized, and I totally botched it when I was trying to summarize it for Savannah during this interview. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to read it verbatim at the end of the podcast. So let's do that now, shall we? Shall we? Do you have your scissors? Do you have your magazines? Do you have your paste? <laughs> Maybe you're washing the dishes or driving to work. That's how I like to listen to podcasts when I'm on the go. High five to you. Much love to you. Here is our planner nerd conversation about planning for a depth year. Hi, Savannah. Welcome to Hippie Witch. I'm honored. Thank you for having me, Joanna. I will thank you twice. Thank you so much for closing out 2021 with me. It's exciting. Yay. I got to thank you privately, but I have to thank you publicly. I did something for most of the year where I did a patron of the month kind of thing. And then I stopped doing it because I ran out of time. And I was like, this is like the mega monster patron of the year because you are so that everybody, <laughs> loves, everybody loves you over on Discord. I think they showed up for me and then they stayed for you, Savannah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm blushing you, over here. <laughs> <laughs> and just so everyone listening can understand what's going on here. You have nothing to promote. You have no book. You have nothing to promote. You're just on here as a very cool pagan mom who reads tarot and is a massive planner nerd. Yeah, I'm not promoting anything. I'm just living life. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes those are the best interviews because so many witchy people online, they're putting out tarot readings and offering spiritual advice and motivation for each other. And you're one of those people. And I think that's most of who's listening right now. So it's like peer to peer hippie witchery. Yeah, I love that. The sense of community is just like, hey, we're all, I mean, I don't think we're all moms, but we're all just witchy people who want to share what we love. There are a lot of moms that are doing this. And, and when I say this, I mean, doing something similar to what you're doing, although you've taken more of a leadership role, I would say, but there are a lot of pagan moms who are doing the tarot readings online and setting up meetups and keeping some kind of witchy community going under the radar. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think it's amazing. 
why did you start leading the way? How did that all happen? So about a year ago, a little over a year ago, or maybe it was the end of 2019 going into 2020, I noticed that people over in your divination channel were looking for prompts all the time for tarot and like wanted to do monthly challenges and stuff. And so I thought, why don't I just start a Patreon and make a tarot club where we can, you know, get together and chat about tarot and I'll put out monthly prompts for everybody. And the reason I did it on Patreon was to kind of put that paywall there. So I didn't have just randos on the internet, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's $2. It's $2 to join Savannah's Patreon. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I didn't want to make it inaccessible. I just wanted it to be people who actually cared about that and wanted to be there. So I thought, you know, I'll create a tarot club and we can get together and talk about this stuff. And then I've had it for a year, just doing the monthly prompts. And I thought, you know what? I, I want to go deeper with this. And that word depth deep kept popping up. And then, um, in another discord, someone said, Oh, I'm doing a depth year. And I said, Ooh, what is that? And it instantly grabbed my attention and just Googled it and found the original blog post from 2017. Someone named David Kane and his blog, raptitude.com, had posted this thing about a depth year. And I was immediately interested because what he talked about in the blog post just grabbed me. And I was like, you know what, there are so many people who are into, I'm into planning and planners, paper and pen journals. And I know there's a lot of other witches and just people in general who are into that. Why don't I share my experience, you know, how I'm prepping for the depth year. And then my experience during the depth year, because I think it'd be really interesting. I typed it into YouTube and I realized, oh my gosh, a ton of these other witches like Kellyanne Maddox did a depth year. And I can't believe I've been subscribed to her channel for forever. And I haven't seen any of her depth year videos before this. That'll be fun to listen to during your depth year. Yeah. And she's great. I love to hear her ramble on about, you know, her experiences and stuff. And I thought, you know what, I I've always wanted to put my voice out there just because I love hearing everyone else's opinions and views about things and their experience, it's so interesting. So why don't I add to that, you know, the more the merrier sort of idea. So I just thought, why not? Let's share it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like trying to gain followers or anything with it. I just want, if you're, you know, in the realm of that same sort of thing, those same interests, it's so interesting to have more and more people sharing because it really can give you clarity and ideas and I just love the value that everyone brings to the community. Yeah. This reminds me so much of when I very first got into like witchy YouTube and people were just doing it for the joy of it and kind of having conversations back in the day, you could answer other people's videos. So you could get this Mm -hmm. chain conversation going. Are you doing this on Instagram then with the Sunday's plan with me video? The plan with me's are just kind of like, just about planning, but I want to follow along with my depth year. I have a YouTube channel and I thought about doing depth year updates on YouTube. Right now I'm just doing the Instagram thing because it's super easy to just go live on there. And I really love watching plan with me's on YouTube and Instagram where people just show how they're setting up for their week and, and planning their daily life. It's, It's really interesting to me. So 
I think I want to do regular updates on YouTube about the depth year because it's a little more official than sort of the Instagram route. Yeah. Maybe the Sundays, those sun, is it Sunday plan with me? Is that what you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. Those are your weekly thing. And then the depth year could be updates on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like monthly updates. I would love to do that. Yeah. That's a really good idea. And then it's searchable. What I like about YouTube is it's a catalog. So mm-hmm. somebody could be doing a depth year in 2025 and they could find your videos and hang out with you. And yeah, yeah. I, I found so many videos from like 2017, 2019 was a big one where a lot of people did a depth year. And I, I went through YouTube and just scoured it and watched everything I could just to gain insight and different perspectives. Cause everyone has a different take on depth year and what they want it to be for them which I love. I mean, I love personalizing things and taking what you need and tossing the rest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, what does it mean to you? What is a depth year right now? This is what I know from doing even just a word of the year. You think it means one thing at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year, it means a whole other thing or many, many other things. If you hang with it for the entire length of the year. Yeah. So for me, it's about focusing on my values and priorities. Some people take more of the no buy, low buy year approach to it. And I'm, I'm gearing more towards consistency in my life, intention, integrating what I already know and putting it to practice. So the depth year for me is going to be about devotion to the things that are a value and a priority in my life right now. Mm-hmm. Can you just briefly tell people what no buy, low buy means for people who are not hip to the lingo? No buy, low buy is where sometimes people do like a no buy year where they won't buy anything new except for their weekly grocery trips so they can sustain themselves, you know, paying their bills and things they have to buy, but they won't buy any new books or new clothing or something like that. And right. they'll be really strict with their spending. It's a good idea. For a lot of people who have accumulated many, 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 many books, let's say over the years and haven't Mm -hmm. read them all. It's funny when I've, when I've contemplated doing no books for a year, different series will come in my head. Like, oh, except for like, if Lee Bardugo's second book in the ninth house series comes, (laughs) like I start reading all of these, like only, but if, but if, and then if this thing happens and then, okay, but (laughs) then there's two qualifiers and I'm like, okay, just forget it. Yeah, I I have so many journals that I haven't used. And so I kind of made a not a strict rule, but a a rule for myself that I want to try and use those up because having so many blank notebooks just lying around is, is you know, it's a waste. Yeah. And I and they're so beautiful, so I think my perfectionism has made me say like, "Oh, I'll wait till I have something important." to write before I use these journals. And and when I was reading about the depth year, I'm thinking, you know what? I only have one life. I want to use these journals. You know, no one else is going to use them. My kids will be decluttering them when I'm dead. If I don't, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're going to be like, wow, she had a lot of journals (laughs) and they'd all be empty. And I don't, I don't want that. So I am taking the low buy approach with some things in my life that I just have a plethora of that need to be used up. So there's that aspect, but mostly I just want to really focus on what's a priority to me and 
plan that into my days so that I'm going deeper, not wider, I think is how the original blog post said it. Yeah, that makes sense. To me, I get so much more out of sticking with a teacher, a book, a program for a very long time until my brain is so thoroughly saturated with it until I move on to someone else. And I'll kind of stay in a flirty space for a while until I find who that next person is, who that next teacher is going to be. But then I know it when I landed, I'm like, oh yes, here we go. And I had earlier in 2021, Ram Dass was really that for me. I was just Ram Dass everything for months. And Mm -hmm. I could just listen to him all the time and and read him. And it was going deep with him. And then everybody else just kind of disappears. It's just me and Ram Dass. And then later in the year, totally different than Ram Dass. I had a major... Mel Robbins moment where I was like listening to her audiobook on repeat and all of these videos she was making every single day that that's what I was listening to when I was cooking and exercising and there's something about it it's a little obsessive but I find I end up integrating their technique or their ideas or their message in such a thorough way that it's really satisfying by the end of it. By the time I'm like, I cannot hear Ram Dass say another word for like six, <laughs> for six months at least. By that time, I've it's because I've heard it on repeat so many times that it's a part of me now. Like I can regurgitate it. Like these are my own ideas. I've taken it in at such mm-hmm. a high level of repetition. Yeah, it creates a, a, a much richer experience of life when you can really dive into something and integrate it into your personal practice or your personal lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I used to have a lot of different, I laughed when I saw one of your recent Sunday plan with me videos, maybe the most recent one, because you're like, this is this journal and this is this planner. And this is, there's like several planners going on. And that so used to be me. I still have a lot of different journals because they each have their own purpose, like the gratitude journal, the fear journal, the whatever. I'm logging this journal morning pages. But I have one, I do have one planner, and that's kind of my Bible for the whole year. So do you have all of those going on because you're trying to use these old journals and planners, or is that just how you roll? That's how I roll. I kind of have a Mod Podge system. So my weekly planner is like my my catch-all for everything. And then I use mostly the Llewellyn's, which is Datebook and the Almanac, just for reference. I don't like plan in those. Mm-hmm. And then the journals are to catch lists and things like that. So I actually just this last year set up a Notion account, which is like an online, I, I use it as an online planner where I can keep lists that change all the time, like grocery lists and things like that. But I've, I've been planning on paper for a long time. So I kind of know what works for me and I have like a flow and rhythm for how I plan. So to to others, it might seem like a lot of notebooks, but to me, it's really pared down. (laughs) (laughs) I, I understand. I am a total planner nerd. It makes sense to me. And also I have found, maybe this is just a like attracts like situation, but most of the planner nerds I meet at at the same level you are operating on Savannah, they're moms. And 
I think it's a creative practice. We're like creating our life intentionally and putting a little beauty on it. You know, there's stickers, there's colored ink. It's Mm -hmm. a nice process when you get into it, if you don't let it bully you around. But also we have a lot of crap we have to keep together and, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and keeping it on paper and being able to look at it is helpful. Mm-hmm. It's essential for me. It, if I don't write things down, it will just slip right out. I have three kids and, a, and one on the way I'm due in February Yay. with my fourth and congratulations. And that mom brain sort of thing really is real. It's <laughs> so real. Have so much, it, it is a lot of different areas of life. So many different categories that if I didn't have paper and pen to keep track of all of that, or, you know, some sort of system in place, I would so much would fall through the cracks. And I feel like I wouldn't be able to keep up. I have so much respect for you. Super duper duper pregnant, just about to have another baby and taking care of three kids. What, what are their age ranges? I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-year-old. Oh, my Lord. What are you made of? Where is this energy coming from? (laughs) I think it comes from, I come from a very big family. Example, my dad is one of 10 kids. (laughs) Wow. And uh, yeah, I always knew I wanted to be a mom and have a bunch of kids. And so I think it's just always been an interest of mine and a passion of mine. And so I homeschool. And I really find joy in that. Oh, I love that you called it a passion. I would love to hear more moms say motherhood is their passion. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone else say it like that. (laughs) I love it. I love, you know, it became a passion for me very, very late in the game. I did not want to be a mom, but when I got pregnant on accident, I felt a connection with my son, but I felt completely unworthy of him. And like, oh my gosh, I'm for sure going to screw this up. I don't know what I'm doing. I never wanted to be a mom. I wanted to live in the city and be a fabulous roommate having an artistic career. This just never (laughs) was a dream of mine, but he's so wonderful. It became a passion very, very slowly over time. But to hear a mom with three kids with one on the way, just say that with a completely straight face in all seriousness, it's inspiring. Thank you. I I love my kids so much. They really are my guiding light in life. Kids deserve that. I think that's the sad part is not enough kids get treated like the joy of their parents' life, you know? And sometimes I feel guilty that I'm not doing enough for them. You know, I'm like, but I could be doing more. I could be better. Oh, no, don't get into that trap. I, I think love trumps it all when it comes to what you can do. I mean, of course, you have to feed your kids and take them to the doctor and, you know, that kind of thing. Make sure they're not running around with snot hanging out their nose. But other than that, they basically just need to know that they are loved. Yeah. And they were a big inspiration for me to do the depth year as well, because I noticed myself splitting my attention between so many different things and, you know, your boundaries get blurred between how much time you're spending on this and that and the other thing. And my first two kids are cancers and they're complete snuggle bugs and they just love that one-on-one attention and you know, to cuddle up with mom and read a book and stuff. And I noticed myself like, oh, I'll do it later. Like go away while I'm working sort of thing, you know, 
Mm. And uh, so when I heard about the depth year, I thought, you know what, I want to go deeper with my relationship with each of my kids, because this time is so short and, and fleeting, like they won't be little and begging to sit on your lap forever. Oh, gosh, that reminds me of there's a famous Irma Bombeck poem. I've posted it here and there many times. I don't know if you've ever run across it, but she got cancer later in life after I think her kids were grown, but she wrote this poem about, you know, if I could do my life over, I would have, I would have burned the rose sculpted candle that melted in the garage. And I wouldn't have gotten upset, you know, when the dog jumped all over the couch with muddy paws or things like that. And one of them was, I wouldn't have told my kids later when they came at me with like impetuous kisses and It's a great poem. It might be a good accompaniment to your depth year. Yeah, I'd love to look that up. It's hard when you're in the moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to say later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What are they teaching you? My kids? Yeah. Oh, my. Um, So much about connection, you know? What it means to really curate a connection with another person. I'm kind of an airhead Aquarius and I, I'm, I've never been like one to, you know, go really deep with friendships or things like that. And even with family, I've just always been kind of distant and my kids have taught me that there's so much value in close connection Hmm. with another person that I, I never really understood before I came a mom before I became a mom. Yeah. I can relate to that as a, as a Libra, there is a distance to when you're up in your head all of the time and Mm -hmm. learning to become embodied and be here now, nothing will do that like a child. Yeah. It's been a hard lesson for me because like I said, I just never was really like a huggy person or, you know, one to be like, Oh, I care what other people think about this or that. (laughs) Mm. But when you have littles who crave that it it really teaches you the lesson that it's important to cultivate that and there's so much value in it that I never really understood before yeah you're gonna be such a boundary badass in 10 years from now (laughs) because you know four different kids are you stopping it for I don't know I this has been a really hard pregnancy and my other ones were I'd I'd say not easy but easy for a pregnancy. (laughs) And this Mm -hmm. one's been really difficult. So I don't want to say yes or no. (laughs) Ah, okay. All right. For a significant (laughs) with four kids, you're going to be a boundary master by the end of all of this. (laughs) I'm hoping that this year will, I know it's going to be challenging at times because to go deep with something, you have to focus and really come at it with intention and a certain mindset. So I I definitely expect lessons from this year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Are you a a pagan mom? I've seen you use hashtags that say things to that effect, but I'm wondering if you're like a pagan mom in terms of teaching your kids the wheel of the year or introducing them to your tarot cards or something like that. Yeah. My kids are really interested in all that sort of stuff. They love coming up to my desk and asking to pull a card from my tarot decks. And 
you know, nature is such an important part of raising kids. I think getting them outside every single day, I'm preaching to myself because there's a lot of times where I'm like, oh, I don't want to put on the shoes of everybody and, you know, go outside. But there are so many important lessons for kids to just play out in nature every single day. And I don't really, you know, do the wheel of the year thing with them, but I use the moon transits and cycles to plan our homeschool. And I would, I would definitely say pagan parenting is in my wheelhouse. (laughs) Oh, that's very cool. Were your parents like that at all? Or are you introducing this newly to the family line? Yeah, it's new. My parents, I think I have a similar upbringing to what you had that I've listened to from your podcasts and things like very Christian, super, I wouldn't say religious, but very into the Christian community sort of involved in the church sort of upbringing. (laughs) Oh, so why? Why are you a pagan? I don't even know how I found it. I I think around 2014, well, when I was younger, like end of my teenage years, I completely renounced the church (laughs) and kind of went, you know, I'm agnostic. I don't believe in God. Um, I'm an atheist and sort of did the rebel thing where I refused to go to church with the family and all that. And then um, it took me a long time to find connection with something again. And I think I was just searching on YouTube and found witchcraft. And, you know, when you grow up in the church and you hear the word witchcraft, it's, it incites fear. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yes. In you. And it kind of made my palms sweat a bit. And I thought, oh my God, you know, God's (laughs) going to smite me down for researching this. But then I went to the library and checked out every single book I could find about witchcraft because it was a thrill and I didn't understand it. And then I thought, oh my gosh, this is a nature-based religion. Well, pagan is an umbrella term for nature-based religions. And I, I thought, oh my gosh, this is, this is what I am into. You know, I, I believe this stuff and I started researching and then I found you on YouTube, um, I think in 2015. And I thought, oh my gosh, wow, these are my people. This is my, <laughs> this is my jam. And ever since then, I've just kind of dove head first into all of it. The YouTube gateway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I relate to everything you just said. I thought for about eight years, I always say that number. It was about eight years when I left the church that I worried, am I going to hell for this? <laughs> and that, that was when I just got into like very light new agey things and Eastern philosophy. But I kind of went through that again when I got into tarot as well. There was just this kind of feeling like, is this okay? I I felt I was crossing some line. That programming runs deep. Yeah. It took me so long to just relax about it. That programming is so strong. It it really is so fear-based and terrifying honestly when you when you go from that to something new I had a really long transition period where I didn't touch anything that had to do with spirituality and I think the personal development world also really interested me and I love Mel Robbins Brennan Burchard like all of these people who you know are super into personal development and that was also a gateway for me learning about personal development and what's important to me and Same. how I want to grow as a person, it, it all kind of was a slippery slope, but in a good way. 
Yeah, same. Totally. Yeah. How did you end up with Tarot and the Tarot Club? I know I know how the Tarot Club came to be, but why Tarot? What got your interest up that way? Um, I went to Barnes and Noble looking for witchy books and saw tarot cards and, you know, had that sweaty palm feeling like yeah. I'm near the tarot cards. You know? <laughs> And so I, I thought about it for a while and, you know, the old adage, you, you can't buy a deck for yourself or something I'd, I'd read or heard that somewhere in my, in beginning to study paganism and witchcraft and things like that. And so I thought, oh, maybe I shouldn't buy a deck or whatever, but it just, I love tactile things, journals, cards, you know, yes, anything that's like papery and I can like get my hands into, I really enjoy So I just thought, what the hell one day when I was at Barnes and Noble and I bought myself my first deck and I, it's the golden tarot by Liz Dean, which is like, yeah, it's like a medieval-ish sort of deck, like a really complicated deck. But back then, I mean, it must've been 2016 or yeah, 2016 when I bought my first deck. So I, they didn't have that much they didn't have that many on the shelf and now it's like a whole section (laughs) and Uh. it's blown up quite a bit, but they had like one or two decks, I think at Barnes and Noble. And I thought, Oh, well this one, I like more than the other one they had there. Yeah. So I, I just thought, Oh, the artwork's pretty. I like that sort of medieval stained glass style. And so, yeah, I chose that one. And after that, it's all, it's all history. (laughs) Do you have like a massive collection or did you just hang with that one deck? No, I hung with that one deck for a long time. And then um, it took me a while before purchasing another one. And I went for, oh gosh, now I've forgotten the name. The Wild Unknown Tarot. Oh yeah. Next. And I've, I've slowly built my collection up. I only have three tarot decks actually. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's very good. I, you know, speaking of a depth year, I have found with tarot, I will sometimes impulse buy. I've given away quite a few tarot decks because I'll impulse buy them. And I could see having a big collection just because it's cool art and it's interesting Mm -hmm. and they're fun to flip through. I love bringing them out. Like if I have friends over and we just, you know, look at the different decks and things like that. But I always just form a relationship with the deck. And then I get kind of superstitious about it. Like I have a relationship with this deck. Yeah, It's it's me and this deck. And kind of what I was saying about working with one teacher for a period of time. There's just something about it that I know not everybody is like this, particularly tarot readers. They'll have a choice of decks that their clearance can choose from. But for me, I've been hanging with the tarot Illuminati for so long now. It's very strange to to try to read with another deck I feel like I'm cheating on my deck (laughs) yeah I feel the same way I've stuck with the decks I've stuck with and it's it's very slow for me to acquire a new deck and when I do I play with it for a long time before considering another one and I have one or two oracle decks as well so I probably have about five in my total collection of Mm -hmm. cards but yeah the wild unknown tarot and me are like we have a relationship for sure. I love that. I love, I got to interview Kim Kranz. I'm very proud of that. I should put that on the podcast because it was on YouTube back in the day, but that deck blew up. It's a classic now. Yeah. I think a lot of people really resonate with it. I know a few people for sure have it as their favorite. It's, Mm -hmm. 
Oh man, I love it. <laughs> I could just gush about it all day. I have one, the herbal tarot that sat in my kitchen for a long time that really disappointed me when I got it. I just thought, oh, I'm going to learn herbalism and tarot together. And it's basically just the writer Waite Smith deck, but with herbs like Mm -hmm. thrown in and each card does have one herb that is the emphasis for it, but it just, it didn't excite me the way I thought it would when I bought it. So it just kind of hung out in my kitchen for a long time. And then I started reading with it and I had no respect because (laughs) I didn't love it. It wasn't like, it didn't turn me on, but it was there in the kitchen. And I thought, oh, this will just be my kitchen deck because I make messes in there. And I wasn't precious with it because of that. And then something happened. I slowly grew to love it and formed a relationship with it. So that one hangs out on my kitchen altar And so I kind of have, I've got the tarot Illuminati back in my bedroom. And then I have that one in the kitchen and they feel different to me. They're, they're like for two different things, but I slowly, slowly developed a relationship reluctantly. And then I felt bad. Like I end up anthropomorphizing everything. (laughs) So I was like, maybe I hurt the next feelings. I don't know. I'm so sorry. I love you. I love that it has its own spot. One for your kitchen and one for your bedroom that they kind of have their own little home. I love that. And there was just something about it being in the messy kitchen, you know, where like pasta sauce is bubbling and things are being spilled that it demystified it in a way it took the Mm -hmm. preciousness out of it. So I could just, I just didn't feel like, Oh, we're doing a tarot reading now. It's just like, (laughs) "Ah, let's sling some cards, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And I would get really good readings that way. So it ended up teaching me that, you know, like you do not have to, it's not like going to church. It can be, but it also can just be a casual relationship, you know, just living your life as a busy mom in the mix. And you just pull a card to see like, you know, something's on the back of your mind and you can just answer that question. That's kind of picking at the back of your brain while you're in the middle of stirring the soup and telling your kid to get off the counter or whatever you're doing. (laughs) Yeah. It took me a long time to get to that place with tarot too, because, you know, when I picked up that first deck, I thought, Oh my God, you have to light the candles and draw the circle. And it has to be ritualistic and you can't, you know, let anyone else touch your cards. And now it's like, I pull out my deck and my kids are like, I want a card of the day. I'm like, all right, here you go. You know, Yay. Yay. I love it. Is the tarot club, is that for anybody? Like if anybody's listening right now and they're like, I like her, I want to hang out with her. Or is it just for your crew that you already know? No, it's for anybody. If you, if you like monthly tarot prompts, I do one prompt per day and then you can vote on a theme for the month. So I just put out our January poll for next month and you can sign up for two bucks and come on into the club. We have a discord server. So we chat about tarot. Some people like to post their daily card polls based on the prompts, or you could share whatever new deck you're excited about or ones on your wish list or whatever. It's just for people who love tarot just in their daily life. And yeah, come join us. I know quite a few people. It's a small group and I feel like I know quite a few of them and they're so cool. These are very nice people that are just there having fun. And they love to talk to me about it. <laughs> they show up, they show up on my Discord going, well, on Savannah's Discord. I'm like, okay then. <laughs> It just sounds like a lot of fun. And I, so I'll link to that is why I asked because I wasn't sure 
if you want new people to come on in, but some mom is listening right now going, my people. (laughs) Yeah, come join us. It's a lot of fun. And for my depth year, you know, Patreon was one of the categories that I thought I want to go deeper with this because I've, I've just kind of been, you know, once I got it set up and sort of rolling, I just kind of stuck with the same program, you know, post the poll for the month ahead, have everyone vote, write the questions and post them. And then every day, um, the night before I post the prompt in the discord, so you can go in and see the daily prompt in the morning or whenever you, you know, want to, if you, if you do. And I thought, you know what, Patreon is something I want to go deeper with this year. And uh, I want to put more of my love and effort behind it because I really, really love it. So I want to give it a little more attention this year. Oh, yay. I mean, I feel like I'm pausing because I'm like, is this a good thing to say during a podcast? I don't know. I Two bucks is not a lot. And, and I know you put a lot of love into it and you're going to be putting a lot more, but that would be a great side business for a busy mom. Yeah, I love it because it's not so much pressure because I do the prompts once per month. And it's easy for me. I mean, I have forgotten in the past to post the prompt for the, for the next day, but it's, it's relatively easy for me to, you know, post the picture of the prompt each night before I conk out at the end of the day. And as a mom, it's fulfilling to me to have something on the side that isn't about parenting or any of the regular mundane stuff that I do. It's, it's fulfilling in a way that other people get value out of the prompts and they tell me like, Oh, the questions this month have really helped me think about this in a new way or explore this theme. And that just brings me so much joy. If I could just help one person and they get some value out of the prompts I create, which I love to write. It's like, Oh my gosh, I, this is my dream. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yes. I think this is why moms sometimes are really good at small business. And I I understand this is not a small business, but I could see it evolving into that just for the reason you said, because it's something that's just for you. That's outside your mundane life and definitely outside the mom life, just having something particularly with three kids and soon four, having something that's just for yourself is so powerful and important, I think. Yeah, I didn't really understand that when I started it, but it's become something that's such a great experience it's been so far. Yeah. Since being a mom is your passion, I'm going to gear our final question around that. What is your one tip for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams if the life of your dreams involves being a mom? Um, Get your kids outside. (laughs) And this is advice to me too, because you know, like I said before, there's some days you just don't want to put on everyone's shoes and coats or, you know, the weather is less than perfect or you're tired. Get outside, get your kids outside and you'll see the benefits instantly. Yeah. They, they can move off all that little energy that they have or the big yeah. energy, big energy, and it'll little ground, bodies. Yeah. It'll ground you too. And it's just infinite value in nature and getting your hands in the dirt getting your feet outside. I need to do it more. Every, everyone needs to do it more in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah. So I'd say if you're a witchy mama, get those kids outside every single day, if you can. It's such a beautiful teacher to mother nature. I know you were saying, I'm not really doing that with my kids for the wheel of the year, but it could evolve into that because there's so many lessons in the changing seasons and just the way the landscape 
changes and it's a great way to introduce death without being scary. You know, they can see like, oh, the tree, it's losing its leaves and it regenerates in the spring. And I think there's something fortifying about that that helps kids as they get older when they have to deal with more complicated human problems. Absolutely. I completely agree. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's like, honestly, I was fangirling out when you invited me on the podcast. (laughs) Yay. That was so much fun. A little planner nerd conversation for 2022. I hope you all are excited about the new year. And I did promise you that I would read you this Irma Bombeck poem. It's called, If I Had My Life to Live Over. So I will wish you all a very happy new year. If you want to become a patron of the Hippie Witch podcast, you can do that by following the link in the show notes or just finding me over there on Patreon under Joanna DeVoe. And then like Savannah said, she has the Tarot Club going on over there. And I'm just going to leave you with this poem. I think this actually was posted as an essay, but I always think of it as a poem. If I Had My Life to Live Over by Irma Bombeck. If I had my life to live over, I would have talked less and listened more. I would have invited friends over to dinner, even if the carpet was stained and the sofa faded. I would have eaten the popcorn in the good living room and worried much less about the dirt when someone wanted to light a fire in the fireplace. I would have taken the time to listen to my grandfather ramble about his youth. I would never have insisted the car windows be rolled up on a summer day because my hair had just been teased and sprayed. I would have burned the pink candle sculpted like a rose before it melted in storage. I would have sat on the lawn with my children and not worried about grass stains. I would have cried and laughed less while watching television and more while watching life. I would have shared more of the responsibility carried by my husband. I would have gone to bed when I was sick instead of pretending the earth would go into a holding pattern if I weren't there for the day. I would never have bought anything just because it was practical, wouldn't show soil, or was guaranteed to last a lifetime. Instead of wishing away nine months of pregnancy, I'd have cherished every moment and realized that the wonderment growing inside me was the only chance in life to assist God in a miracle. When my kids kissed me impetuously, I would never have said, Later, now go get washed up for dinner. There would have been more I love yous and more I'm sorries, but mostly, given another shot at life, I would seize every moment, look at it, and really see it live it, and never give it back.